And let's just be open to what God wants to do to us this morning and for us this morning. Because, you know, he's a God of restoration and he's a God who wants to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we would even dare to ask or to think. So we are totally open to him this morning. We are totally dependent upon him and we're asking him to come and to speak to us at the very depth of our being because only he knows by his Holy Spirit, he knows exactly what's going on in your thinking today. He knows what's going on in your circumstances. He knows all those things that you're worrying about or fretting about. He knows the fears and he knows he knows all about that, but he also knows the plans that he has for you. And this morning in the prayer room, that was the, prayer, that was the verse that came through so strongly, that God has a hope and a future for us, and that God wants to speak to us this morning and put fresh energy and fresh faith and fresh, uh, fresh power into us to do all those things that he's calling us to do. And so we're continuing on this, uh, this great chapter of faith in, in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. We, over the past recent weeks, we've been looking at some of the patriarchs, we looked at Harry and creation, we saw those faith, and then through Abraham and, and Isaac and, and Joseph. And now we're, we're coming now to, to Moses. And we're going to be looking uh, today, we're going to be looking at some verses specifically about Moses. And we're going to read these verses um, we're going to be, you know, we could we could do it. We could actually talk like for weeks and weeks about the life of Moses because there's so much in it. But we're really going to stick tight to what it says in Hebrews about Moses. And there's like five different things that I believe that God's going to speak to us today. I really believe that God's going to speak in a very special way this morning. I have a sense in my bones that God's going to do something very very special this morning if we are open to Him. Are we open to Him? Yes, I believe we are. I believe you're all here because you're open. So we're going to read, uh, we'll read it kind of verse by verse. So let's just start at uh, verse 20, 23 in Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commandments. We'll just stick with that one verse uh, for the moment. The New King James says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. And uh, the Amplified Version actually puts a slightly different shift on it. It says that, that, um, that Moses' parents were overawed and terrified by the king's decree. If you remember that story, the story was that Pharaoh was so afraid of the children of Israel because they had grown in number. Remember that Joseph had come up and all his family had come up to Egypt and they had actually saved Egypt from famine and God's favour was on them. But over 400 years, uh, there had been so many, so many Israelites born that they, there, was a, there was a huge nation of Israelites and Pharaoh was scared of, scared of them basically and, and he was afraid that they were going to outnumber the Egyptians. And so he made this decree that all the, the, the Israelite babies of the firstborn would be thrown into the river Nile. And so if you read the early chapters of Exodus, you will see how this was a terrible time for Egypt because they were slaves in Egypt. They were literally slaves. They were under cruel bondage. 
and Pharaoh was cracking the whip and they had to work for nothing and it was a terrible low time in Israel's history. And then on top of it, because Pharaoh was afraid of them, he passed this law that all of the firstborn babies of the Israelites had to be tossed into the river Nile. Can you imagine what that was like? And so we're looking to the, to the, this morning at, at how Moses had a mother and father. You can see, I've given you a reference there uh, to Exodus 6 and 20. tells us that their names were Amram and Jochebed. And, and it seems that these two, although this decree that the king of Egypt gave was horrifying and frightening, terrifying, and although it was something that would paralyze all of Israel with fear, Yet it seems in the midst of that fear that, that this mother and father had courage and, and they actually moved in faith instead of fear. And the first thing I wanted to say this morning is that, that the thing that will stop you moving on with God is usually fear. Faith is the opposite to fear. And it's so important that we realise that fear never comes from God. Not that kind of a fear. There's a holy fear where we, we love him and we, we fear to, to grieve him. But that's different to this paralysing fear that we're afraid to move forward into what God has for us. And you see, 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says that God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. And we need to remember that that fear that paralyses you is actually, it's an evil spirit. It doesn't come from God. And uh, Joyce Merrick does tremendous teaching on that. She's really big into this. And she explains that that fear is like a master spirit that will try to stop you moving forward with God. And, And fear and faith... Well, actually, there's an interesting thing. I wanted to talk to you a bit about fear because I think we need to be very practical about this. Isn't it amazing how somehow this fear can creep in and we haven't actually realised it has crept in? Have you ever experienced that? Now, a few weeks ago, I had a lovely sort of major life stone uh, uh, birthday. And it was a great time and I just loved it. You know, it was great. I love being 70. It's great. (laughs) Put it up on Facebook and all. I love being 70. It's great. And you see, the next week or two, I could feel myself going into lethargy and not having the same energy that I had before. And it's like, I was thinking, it wasn't, it wasn't physical, it was mental. Mental. I was like, what's wrong with me? I've just had a great birthday and I'm celebrating. And what's wrong with me? And just one day, exactly one night after the prayer meeting here, I was driving up out of that wee back park there onto the main street. And I was listening to UCB on the radio. And the guy said, did you know that fear is faith in the wrong thing? Do you get that? Fear is faith in the wrong thing. Fear is where a wee nigger has come in with a lie and you've believed it. And you're starting to have faith in what the enemy says instead of what God says. And you know, I think that a lot of us are paralysed with that kind of niggly kind of fear that can creep in on our words that we don't actually even realise that we've had maybe we thought about growing older or about maybe financial need or maybe a little fear about being sick or maybe some member of our family being sick or, or some other situation and something just comes in and, and you don't even realise it but somehow the enemy has slipped in a little lie to make you doubt that everything's going to be okay 
to make you doubt that somehow God might overlook this and he might bring you into something that would be so bad. And you know, as soon as, it's like you need to catch the devil out, you need to catch the light out, you need to realise that faith, faith in God gets rid of fear. Now, it doesn't mean that it's easy, easy peasy, but it means that when you decide, you know what, I'm going to believe God and what he says, I'm going to have faith in God and what he says, when you make that decision, then by grace he gives you the power to step out and you overcome the fear by stepping out into obedience. And that's exactly what happened here. And I love this story about Moses and his, and his mother and his father. Because it says here that they saw something about this child when he was born. Now it says some translations that he was a beautiful child, he was a, a, a special child, whatever. But it seems, that from some, a lot of the commentaries that I've read, that there was something about this child that the parents just knew in their gut that God had given them this particular child and he was for purpose. Did you ever have that sense that there's something in your life and you sense God's in it? And, and so because of this child and because they sensed God was in it and because they decided to believe and trust in God instead of being overcome by fear and being paralyzed by the, the fear of Pharaoh, they hid the child, took the risk and hid the child for three months. And then after three months, this is the bit I love. And I'm sure you might have heard me on this before, but I don't care because I'm going to tell it to you again. Because I just think this is the most amazing picture for us. Can you see this woman getting her three-month-old baby? Can you see her getting them and putting them into this little man-made ark, made with whatever she made it with, and then water sealing it with, with it was made of bulrushes, and, and then it was kind of sealed with pitch, so it would be waterproof. And, and can you see this woman, and she's going to the river now, and I'm sure she prayed about this child, and obviously she prayed about him. And she leaves Moses down in the water. This is a bit, I've done this before, girls, but I'm going to do it again. And she puts the child into the river now. Now, can you imagine stepping down into the river, in amongst the bulrushes? And she sets that child in that little ark, into the bulrushes. But there comes a moment where she has to take her hands off that child. There comes a moment where she has to say, God, I'm going to give him to you. There comes a moment where she can't look after him anymore and she can't save him and she can do nothing for that child. And there comes a moment where she just has to take her hands off and step back and trust God. And girls, that's what we need to come to. What's your situation that you're afraid of? What's the fear that, that comes and grips you in the night? What's the dread, the, things that, the thing that you dread in your life? What is it that's, that's trying to stop you at, with this grip of fear on your thinking and on your emotions? Listen, you have to be ready to let go and to leave that with God and step back. And that moment is what faith is all about. That's, that's trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so I see this woman, I see faith overcoming fear and she leaves this child in the hands of God and you know isn't it amazing that because she left the child and took her hands off Moses isn't it amazing that God saw to it that Pharaoh's daughter came along just at the right time that the baby cried at just the right time to catch her attention and that Pharaoh's daughter saw the child. And not only that, but that Moses' sister was just up a stone throw away, watching everything, and was able to run up and say, do you want, do you want someone who could feed your baby? And so Pharaoh's daughter actually gave Moses back 
to his mother. Isn't it amazing that when we put stuff into our ha- into God's hands, that so often we give it back to us again? You ever noticed that? But so long as we hold on to it, it's, it's never really ours and we're just crippled. But the minute we let go of it, it's like then we're ready and so often God puts it back again. And for the next number of years, until he was weaned, and in those days they weaned him, I think, up to five or six or whatever, she had those very, very important years of Moses' life, life to pour in truth about the God of Israel. Isn't it amazing that God could turn a fearful situation into a triumphant a triumphant situation and that's what God wants to do with you in fact I find in my life that the things that worry me most are the things that God can do the most blessing and do the most wonderful things with us but we need to let go we need to hand it over to him and so we see that that this is this this chapter is so true that it was by faith that his parents saw that, that, that he was a beautiful child and were not afraid of the king's command and then it tells us in 24, verse 24, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And so we see that Moses, when he got older, uh, he had, God gave him faith to make the right choices in life. And you see, we know that when he was older, he wasn't just a teenager, he was probably around 40 years of age, he was a mature man, and he was coming into that place where he was going to have to choose. Was he going to enjoy being the, the son of Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's daughter, the prince of Egypt? Was he going to enjoy all the, the pleasures of Egypt and all the privileges of, of being uh, seen as a prince in, in that country? Remember that Egypt was the, the greatest world power at that time. I mean, the, the, the prestige and the, the, the riches and the opulence of that kingdom. He could have had it all. And yet Moses, it seems, Moses <coughs> made a choice. And, and I suppose as I thought about this, and I thought about how, you know, we've been looking in, in, in Hebrews 11, uh, we've been looking at Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and, and looking right down to Joseph. And we've been looking at how they passed the word from one, one generation to the next. And so Moses would have heard about the God of Israel. His mother would have taught him about the God of Israel. And so it seems that, uh, according to, to these verses, it seems that he was looking at what was invisible. He had his eyes on something else. It says in the, um, in the New Living Translation, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. He was looking ahead to his great reward. You know, there is something about having to endure. And there are times in the Christian life where we need to keep our eyes focused on what the reward is. We need to keep our eyes focused on Christ. And it amazes me to think that way back then, that according to Hebrews 11, that Moses was aware of the coming Christ. That he was aware that Messiah was going to come and he was going to be the Christ, the anointed one. Christ just means the anointed one, the Messiah. 
And way back then, because it had been revealed to Abraham, right back, in fact, to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, when God gave the promise that, that through the seed of the woman that he was going to come and crush the serpent's head, this had been passed down the generational line. And it amazes me that Moses actually wed this up. And in our lives, there are times when we have to wear up. We've got to weigh up. And the disciples, when Jesus came to earth, had to do the same. They've got to count the cost. We've got to count the cost and we've got to wear it up and say, well, it's, what are we going to do? Because sometimes, sometimes it, it means sacrifice if we're going to follow, follow the Lord Jesus. And sometimes we, we fail to actually say that. But that's the truth. There are times when we have to say, no, I don't care. That could be, would be a very easy thing to do. But that's not the, the, the right thing to do. I'm going to do what God would call me to do. And we need to bring that right down even to, even to just everyday situations. As well as the, you know, the small things as well as the big things. Sometimes just being in a shop maybe and, and maybe you know, walking out and realising they've given you far too much change. What do you do? Will you go back in again or will you go on? We need to make the right choice in the little things as well as the big things. To be a testimony for Jesus and to do what's right and to count the cost. We need to do what's right and we need to do what God would call us to do. And so he weighed it all up and he decided that he, he had an eye on the coming Christ. And he was looking forward and he made a choice. He made a choice not to enjoy the pleasures of sin, for the, for, but to, he actually esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than all the treasures of Egypt. And it tells us that he saw the one who was invisible. I, I just think, I want to read that to you. It's in a little bit further down. Uh, let's just read on here and we'll, we'll just trust the Lord to, um, to tie it all up. It says, um, choosing rather to suffer, esteeming the reproach of Christ, for he looked to the reward. That word look has the idea of looking away from everything else in order to look intently at one object. Moses looked away from all the wealth of world systems towards a messianic future. He was looking to a messianic future. And of course, remember when Jesus came, remember, he talked with Jesus up on the mount. You know, he had his eyes on something more, something more than what the world could offer him. And it says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured a seeing him. I want you to get this. He was seeing him, that's God, who is invisible. You know, there's a verse in Corinthians where it talks about the things that are permanent are invisible and the things that are temporal the things that are not going to last forever those are the things we see the things we see with the naked eye those are the things that are going to pass away but moses was looking at what was invisible he was looking at what was going to last forever and you know faith means trusting trusting in god even though we don't see him faith means that he is with us even when we can't see him with the naked eye We've got to choose by faith. We've got to see what is invisible. And so often, when we choose to see what's invisible, you might think you're all on your own. You might think, you know, what good can come out of my situation? You might think, well, I'm, I'm a bit sunk here. You need to see, with, see what's invisible. You need to see the fact that God's right there with you, that his angels are around you to help you, that this is, there, is an, there is an invisible world which is more real than the visible one. 
And when you get a grip of that and realize that you have you have the myriads of angels around you, that, that you have the God, the God of, of Israel living in you by his spirit, when you begin to live in the invisible truth, it will change everything. Moses had his eyes on what was invisible, and that's why he made that choice. And you know, we know the whole story, and I haven't time to go into it all. You know the story how he kind of went about it the wrong way, and he, he tried to take sides with his own people, and it ended up in disaster, and he ended up uh, in defence of, of one of his own Israeli friends, our brothers, where he ended up, he actually slew an Egyptian. And because of that, Pharaoh turned against him and he had to run. And he had to run away down into the land of Midian. And we know the story that Moses' Moses' life was divided up into that first 40 years in Egypt as a son of Pharaoh. And then having to leave Egypt because of, of taking sides with the Israelites and running down into the desert, into the wilderness, for another 40 years. And for 40 years, he was down there looking after sheep, no longer with the prestige of being the, the son of Pharaoh, a prince in Egypt, but just a shepherd with a crook, just going around every day with a crook or his rod, looking after sheep, counting the sheep, looking after them, leading them, looking after them. And then one day, let's see what it says here. It says that um, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. And it says that, that when he was down there, we haven't time to look at it all now, but uh, way back in, in Exodus, it tells us that down there in the land of, um, of Midian, down in the desert, that one day Moses had this encounter, this encounter with God at the burning bush. And again, we, we all know about this story. And, you know, we could, as I say, there's so much in Moses' life that we could talk about. So I'm flying through some of this stuff, but I want us to get, I want us to get the, the, the main points of what Hebrews is saying. So the first one is that faith overcomes fear. His parents, his mother in particular, knew what it was to overcome her fear and hand that child and give him over to God. The second one is that faith will give us the oomph to make the right choices in life, that God wants us to choose and to be motivated by what is real, by what we don't see, but what is real. And, and God wants us, God wants us to make those choices. But the thing is, that sometimes those choices lead us into difficult times. Moses was away in the desert for another 40 years. And it was down there that God met him. And he met him at this burning bush. You know, I love what Philip Emerson often says. He often he says he wonders how many days Moses had walked past maybe another burning bush. How many days was God trying to get his attention? But one day he did take notice and it says he turned aside to see what was in the bush. Apparently in the desert in that extreme heat, it's not unusual for a bush to go into, for a bush to, 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 to be set on blaze, to be set on fire. But the, the point was that God was in the bush. And it says in chapter 3 of Exodus, one day Moses was tending the flock and his father-in-law's Jethro, he had married and he had a son. And it says, um, then the, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. 
And then the Lord went on to say, I've, down to verse 7, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and I have heard their cries of distress. And then down to verse verse 10, the Lord said, now, he said to Moses, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I just want to stop there for a wee minute. Do you get the picture? He's been down in this desert now. He's had to run and leave, leave Egypt. He's been down in the desert for 40 years, leading on the staff, working with these sheep, sheep. And one day God gets his attention and God speaks to him out of the bush because all the while God had heard the cries of the slavery in Egypt. God had heard his people's cries. I wonder if you realise that God hears your cries, that God knows what's going on. God knows the slavery that's in your life. And so many of us are actually slaves, and very often it's being a slave to fear. That's the greatest grip on our lives. It might be a, a, a slave to an addiction or to a habit. It might be a slave to a wrong relationship or something else in our lives. But very often the root cause is a slave to fear. And Moses had been down there, and, and, and all the time the people back in Israel were slaves. They were still slaves. And Moses was walking about his business, and, and one day God just broke in. Isn't it amazing how God, how there's just those one days where God breaks in? And you know, from this moment, Moses was, it was going to be a turning point for him. Because God was going to speak to him. And I just want to say to you that God is longing to have personal encounters with us. And so often in my life, I find I'm, I get into a, a mindset and I'm going for stuff. And, you know, and I'm certainly maybe going through prayers and all, all the rest of it. But sometimes God just grips me and it's like he's saying, would you ever wait, shake up? Would you ever start to realize that I'm really in this? That I really want to talk to you? There's moments where you realize, God, you really want to say something to me. And you know, so often, even in reading our Bibles, it's so easy to be reading the Bible and not be expecting to hear God's voice. Would you agree with me? We need to read our Bibles and have that time in our day where we are expecting that God is going to speak life and he's going to speak directly into our situations. And when we are expectant, that's faith. That's coming in faith and saying, I'm expecting you to speak to me. And God wanted to speak to Moses. And he said, Moses, I'm calling you. I want you to go back. To Pharaoh, but Moses, somewhere along the line, Moses had kind of lost, he got out of touch with who he really was. Somewhere along the line, he had got out of touch of his true identity. Somewhere he had, he had, along the way, he had stopped really expecting God to do anything. And did you notice what he said when God sent him back? He didn't want to go back to Pharaoh because Pharaoh went him in history. And Moses didn't want to go back and face the past. But God was saying, I'm calling you to go back and face Pharaoh and face everything that's in Egypt. And Moses was saying, but who am I that I should face Pharaoh? Who am I? That was his identity. He'd lost his identity. And I'm wondering today, how many of you in here, how many of you has the enemy been chipping away at who you are, at your, ident at your identity in Christ? I wonder how many of you would say, so who am I? What could I do? The truth is that Moses needed to be reminded not just who he was, but more importantly, who God was. And you see, when we know who God is, then we know who we are. Because our identity is in him, it's in Christ. And so Moses, 
here he is, and he's he's saying to God, "Who am I that I should go to 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 Pharaoh?" And God answered, "I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this very mountain." But Moses protested, "If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, then they will ask, what is his name?" Then what shall I tell them? And God replied, I am who I am. I love, I love this title of God. And, you know, this is the title of Yahweh. This is the title of Jehovah. This is what we've been singing about in that song of these are the days of Elijah. God was saying, this is my name. I am who I am. I, I came across this. It was actually given to me by some of you ladies um, some time back. And I had it, I had it lying in a wee basket in my bathroom and I came on it just the other day and here's what it says I was regretting the past and fearing the future suddenly the Lord was speaking my name is I am he paused I waited he continued when you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets it's hard I am not there my name is not I was when you live in the future with its problems and fears, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not, I will be. When you live in this moment, it's not hard. I am here. My name is, I am. He's with you every moment. It can be past, present and future, but you can't live in the past and he doesn't want you to live in the future. He wants you to live in the moment. He wants you to live in the I am. And Moses needed to know that God was going to be with him. I love Psalm 46. It says that God is a never-present help in time of trouble. That's the I am. Ever-present help in time of trouble. God will not let you down. God will always be there. It doesn't mean that you won't go through difficult situations. But he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And so God was reassuring Moses that he wanted him to go. And if you, if you look on and read those verses whenever you get some time, you'll see that Moses continued. He was beginning to realise who he was in God, that he was God's servant, that he, he was God's person. But he was still afraid. And if you, if you read on into chapter 4, you'll see that Moses was kind of saying, but how can I do it? You know, how am I able to do this? And then God asked him this question, and I think this is a class question, and so often I felt God speaking this to me. It says in chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, Moses protested again, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Do you, ever, do you ever do this? What if, Lord? What if that happened? Or what if something else happened? Oh, God, what, I couldn't do that. What, what, what if? What if? And here was God's answer to Moses. Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? And Moses said, It's a staff or a rod. Throw it in the ground, the Lord told him. And you see, the moment that he threw down, in the desert, you've got to know this, in the desert, he used that old staff. He had proved it. He was, able to, he was able to protect his sheep with that. That had become second nature to him to use that. What is it that you've got, that you've got used to, to living with? What is it that you've become good at doing in the natural? Well, God wants you to hand that over to him. And God was saying, Moses, if you throw down that staff and give it to me, it'll no, no longer be your staff, but it'll be my staff. And I can use that 
to fulfill all these plans that I have to set my people free. You see, you and I, once we get saved, if you've asked Jesus to be your saviour, if you've come to that point of realising that you need salvation, for me it happened when I was just eight, but if you've had that experience where you realise that Jesus died for your sins, and he wants to set you free from the consequences of those sins, but he wants to set you free to be all that he has created you to be. If you have asked him to come in and be your saviour, then you need to know that he wants to make you someone who will be able to testify about him and tell others around you about him so that you'll be able to see other people set free. And that is the, that is the most... That is the most um, uh, gratifying that is the most wonderful life for any of us to live to be able to be full of the spirit of god and to know that we're wise clean to know that god's living in us to know that god's speaking to us through his word to experience that to experience that when we need a word that we get it through his word and we know the holy spirit's just around us and in us and and somebody said recently holy spirit's on me we can sense his presence and we know that he's prompting us. I got into bed last night and I was tired and I couldn't sleep for ages. And, you know, I just the thoughts for this morning were coming. And it was like the Holy Spirit was just coming with these thoughts. And it was, God, you really do want to speak into the hearts of these women. And to be able to be open to the Holy Spirit and know that he's prompting you to give you a word for someone or to give you a word for your situation. That is the most amazing life. That's a life that's linked to heaven. That's what, that's what it means bringing heaven to earth. That, that's what it means to be connected with the God of this universe and to be the person that God has called you to be. When you come to that place of realising that you're so privileged and that he loves you and that he has deposited his Holy Spirit in you and you begin to walk by faith and you stop this fear stuff and you're saying, God, you know what, I might feel a bit afraid but I'm going to trust you because you're great and we're going to see that God just give Moses so much faith to do just the most wonderful things and I believe these things are applicable for us today and God's saying to us what's that in your hand can you cook well maybe you could entertain maybe you could do something there for my people what's that in your hand are you a good writer maybe you could write letters of encouragement do you like hospitality can you talk are you a good communicator God wants you to talk and talk for him what is it in your hand? If you give it to God, if you give that gift that God has given to you over to him, you will be amazed at what he will do with it. You will, you will be totally amazed with what God can, can do whenever you give what you have got in your hand. And so Moses is beginning to realise that he's thrown down this, this um, and we haven't time to go into all the things that God did with that staff, that rod. We haven't time to go into it. But the, the point is that God is asking you today, like Moses, are you ready to give me what you've got? Because I can do more with it than you can. If you give me your gifts, I'll do more with them and I'll, I'll give you the secret of joy and fulfilment in life. And so we see that, that Moses had to, had to experience this faith that overcame fear, this faith to make the right choices and faith to face the past and walk in your true identity. Listen, in my experience, for most of us, there is stuff in our past that we need to face. So many women that I come across, 
just stuff things down and pretend it didn't happen and never bring it into the light and never deal with it. And you know, it's so important that we bring, that's why the Bible says to walk in the light, to bring it out into the light and ask the Lord just to wash us clean of the effect of it and, and the, to, be, to know that we're forgiven, that we're released, that that stuff is not going to hold us back anymore, that we are prepared to face the past. And Moses had to go back into a fearful situation. He was going to have to go back and face Pharaoh. The very one that had been trying to kill him, the very one that was that was after him, he had to flee Egypt, and now he was going to have to go back. And God was saying, "But I want you to go back because I will be with you." And listen, if you have to face the past, God will be with you. And I just know in my own life, so often I've had to do that. You know, we we after I was divorced, you know, we had spent a lot of our time whenever we were first married overseas. And there were things that had so many difficult memories, uh, and, and especially the places that we'd gone to, and especially around that city of Budapest, where we lived a lot of time around there doing missionary work. And you know, there came a point in my life where I knew I needed to make a, journey, a physical journey back, even though it was going to make me face a lot of memories and, and a lot of tears. And you know, God took care of it. He actually led me through another friend to a, a young woman and her husband I'd never even heard of. And he connected us and I went to stay with him through a mutual friend. And, and that to this day, she is such a dear friend. And she just walked me around the streets of Budapest. I was a stranger and she just watched me as I just wept everywhere I went because I couldn't help but remember. And sometimes we need to remember the hard things and, and grieve them and, and be real about what's going on in our past instead of pretending, oh no, I'm all right, I'm fine, everything's fine. And you know what, everything's not fine, we need to grieve. But we need to grieve in a healthy way. There's a grieving where you can get stuck. God doesn't want that. You need to face the worst and walk through it. And God will take you through and out the other side. And you'll come out stronger and more equipped than ever you were as you face the past and go on with God. And so God loves you so much. He loved Moses so much. And he was getting Moses ready to do something absolutely phenomenal. And God was with him. And he was going to find who he was in God. He was going to find his identity, his true identity as a son of God. And he was going to walk in that. And then it tells us in Hebrews 11, not only that, that um, he went down to Egypt, but it tells us that, I'm in two Bibles here, and I'm trying to decide which translation I'm going to speak out of. So let me get back here to Hebrews 11. Um, and it tells us, in in verse um, yeah here we are it was by faith verse 28 it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son he needed faith to go back but he needed faith to hold his nerve and obey God. Sometimes doing what God tells you to do is not easy. Sometimes unbelief can come in and we can begin to think and begin to doubt. Did I really hear that right? But Moses went back and he faced Pharaoh. And when he got to Pharaoh, Pharaoh he challenged him. Do you remember what he said? We used to say to the kids, in, in, I used to do a thing called Bible Explorer in, in the school. And uh, we used to... Uh, we did lots of signs for all the Bible stories. 
and one of them was when at this particular story we used to get the children to shout let my people go and then we would have somebody sitting up with a big pharaoh wig on and he would be sitting like this and he would go no <laughs> and that's the essence of the story moses was brought right before the king of egypt with all his power with all the power of egypt all the might all the dominion all the wealth of egypt and moses is going up straight from the back end of the, the back of the top the old translation talks about the back side of the desert he's coming up from the back side of the desert can you just imagine him and he's coming up and he's coming right before the very throne of egypt and basically he's saying to pharaoh god says let my people go do you know that's what god wants to say over all of our lives he wants to get us free from the clutches of the enemy because pharaoh is a very very graphic picture of satan who wants to keep you a slave to sin who wants to keep you a slave to your present situation who does not want you to be free and i believe this morning that god would speak over you and he would literally say to the enemy this morning let my people go let these women and eagles go let them be free let them be all that i've called them to be and the enemy would sit up and say no <laughs> but this morning we're saying yes and god is stronger than the enemy and you need to know that you need to know who he is that he is the lord god almighty and that he's fighting for you and so we we moses goes up and i'm sure as we knees were shaking underneath that big long robe i'm sure that we knees were knocking i'm sure he was nervous but he did what god told him to do and then god told him to start to go through all the plagues i we haven't time this morning to go through all those plagues you remember the plagues where the first one was where, where god told moses to put his, his staff over the river nile and the, the water turned to blood and through all of those all of those plagues that came on egypt and every time after each plague pharaoh would, would say okay i'll let them go and then as soon as as soon as moses sorted out the plague and fixed the turned the water back into into ordinary water again then pharaoh would change his mind and say no they're not going and you see this is what the enemy does the enemy's a trickster he's a twister and the enemy will hold on to your life and he might pretend to give you spiritual freedom but he does he he wants to keep holding you and so pharaoh didn't want to let the people go and then of course if you remember after all of these after all of these plagues and as as pharaoh continued to refuse then it tells us that that god told moses to keep the passover and we're going to read that now it was by faith that moses commanded the people of israel to keep the passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn can you imagine that particular night can you imagine uh, god saying to moses i want i want you to prepare the passover i want you to go to all the israelites and tell them to get a little lamb that is absolutely spotless no blemish whatsoever and i want you to tell the children of israel to kill that lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of the door and god said to moses my angel the angel of death is going to go around and smite every firstborn in the land but when i see the blood i will pass over you what an amazing picture of the work of christ on the cross he was the lamb of god the spotless sinless 
Lamb of God. The one that John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he gave his blood, he shed his blood for us, so that we could apply his blood by faith over our lives and over our hearts. And when God sees the blood, he passes over you and me, and there's no judgment for us whatsoever. Isn't that amazing? And it's an ongoing forgiveness as we, even after we're saved, it's, for, it's once and for all. Recently we've been talking, some of us in, in church, about how some of the young ones will say, look, I used to be saved and, you know, not saved anymore, it didn't work for me or whatever. That's nonsense. If you've really asked Jesus to come in to be your saviour, it's a done deal. It's forever. You are born again by the Spirit of God. You are covered in the blood. You are eternally saved and safe in Christ. But you still might sin and you still might need to be forgiveness. But what Jesus Christ did on the cross is enough for continual forgiveness. The washing every day to wash your sins clean. That's why Jesus said that we didn't, whenever the disciples wanted them to wash all of them, he said, no, just your feet. Because you've already been cleansed. You just need to have your feet washed. And you know what? Salvation that God's provided for you is incredible. It is wonderful. It is, it is just all that you need. More than you need. And so this Passover meant that all of the Israelites were safe. And that night as the angel of death went past, I'm sure there were people who were in those Israel houses. And I'm sure they were scared because darkness covered the land. I'm sure it was scary. But can you just hear some of those older men saying to their children, it's okay, the blood's on the door. Can you imagine maybe some of the children looking around and just making sure that daddy had put the blood on the door? Maybe their mother said, it's okay, the blood's on the door. And God has said, so long as the blood's on the door, we're all safe. Listen, it's a blood over your heart. Have you asked Jesus to be your saviour? Do you realise that without his blood, you have no protection? That judgment will fall on you without the blood of Jesus to cover your sins? That he paid the price to redeem you, to buy you back, to make you clean, to redeem you? I was, I was in a shop the other day and they used that term about redeeming something. I can't think what it was in. in and it really struck me. It's, it's a modern, even now, it's a modern, it's a modern terminology. I can't think what the shop it was in. But they used that, you can redeem it. And you know, we need to know that whenever we believe that Jesus shed his blood, that we are redeemed. We're bought. There's no, we're not going back again. We're going forward. And so Moses, Moses that night, they all waited and they were all safe. All of Israel was safe. But every firstborn son in the land of Egypt died. And the Bible describes it. We haven't time. I'd love you to read it when you go back home. Read it again. Uh, the wail that went up from the roar and the wail that went up over Egypt, right from Pharaoh's house, right down to every house where everyone lost their firstborn. And finally Pharaoh said, get out of here. Listen folks, let me tell you something, that God gave his firstborn, Jesus Christ, that we could be free. And that night, between 2.5 million and 3.5 million Israelites, moved out of the land of Egypt. And as they moved, one final verse before we come to the end of, of today, as they moved out of Egypt, it says, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. I know we haven't got much time left, but I really want to get this across to you because not only does God want you to have 
faith that overcomes fear. Not only does he want you to have faith to make the right choices, not only does he want you to have faith to face the past and walk in your true identity and faith to hold your nerve and obey God, but God wants you to have faith to walk through impossible situations. And I'm guessing that there could be a few impossible, humanly impossible situations in here today. Let's get the picture. Moses is finally leading all of these people out of the land of Israel. And as they, as they go out into the desert, God directs Moses to go into a certain route that's actually going to bring them into a trap. He brings them right to the edge of the Red Sea. They could have gone another route which would have taken them away and they, they, would, have, they would have hightailed it away from, from uh, the Egyptians. But God brought them into the trap. I think that is quite amazing that God was going to use uh, that situation to bring glory to his name. You know, we were talking in the prayer room this morning how, how so often we can think, how come I got into this situation? And sometimes we don't realise that God brings us into bad situations so that he can show his glory. So it doesn't mean because you're in a bad situation that, that you know, you've done something wrong. Sometimes God leads us into ways that are very, very strange. And it says here that in, in Exodus 14, verse 1, the Lord gave these instructions order them to go back and to go towards the Red Sea. So they were, they were ordered to go there. And when they got there, it says that, that, that the, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, that he changed his mind about letting them go. And we all know how he did that and how he decided, you know, why should I let those people go? And he went after them and how the, the Israelites realized that Pharaoh and all his army were coming after them in chariots. And it says, as Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, looked up and panicked. Exodus 14, verse 10. They panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? So they started complaining to Moses. They started shouting to complain to Moses. And Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Another translation says, tell the people to go forward. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And then it goes on to say, um, then the, look at this verse in verse 19 of Exodus 14. Then the angel of God, who had been leading the people of Israel, he moved to the rear of the camp, and the pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. And the cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned to fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Now, I want, I want to just spend a minute or two in before we finish on this. Do you, I want you to get this picture. The angel of the Lord. Now we believe, according to the scriptures, that that was actually Jesus Christ himself. Now, I want you to get this. That Jesus, in the, in the pillar of fire by day, uh, fire by night and the cloud by day, that Jesus himself was out in front leading his people into freedom. 
That's a powerful picture of Jesus. I don't know whether they could have seen a shape of him in the cloud or whatever. I don't know, but he was in it. And at the point where they were beginning, where Moses had, had, had stretched out his rod and the sea had opened up, at that moment, as the as Israelites stepped into the waters and as they started to move forward, at that moment, it seemed, the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, moved from the front. He stopped leaving them because the way has been opened up. They know where they're going. There's only the one way. And he moves and he comes to the rear. And he comes between them and the enemy. And he takes his place up here so that the enemy can't get near the children of Israel. I would love you to get that this morning. If there was just that one point that you could get. That when God opens up the way and tells you to keep moving and to move forward. And so often the Bible is telling you, just go forward. Just keep trusting God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep going forward. When you do that, you can be sure that Jesus himself will move round behind you so that the enemy can't touch you. And even though the, the children of Israel were crying out in fear, they needed to know that Jesus was between them and the enemy. Listen, folks. You are not left for the enemy to come and gobble you up. You have a saviour who will fight for you. And that's exactly what Moses said here. He said, tell the people to, to get moving. And you see the angel of the Lord move behind them. And I love this bit. I want you to get this bit. We we're, we're, are coming near the end, but I want you to get this. It says, just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and cloud, and he threw their forces into total confusion. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here, away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against us. You need to know, I would love you to get this that God can take your situation and you see the things that you're dreading and fearful of, that he can put a twist on things. He tw actually twisted these chariot wheels so that they kept falling down. God can twist the enemy's plans against your life. The enemy is subtle. He is a strategist. The, the enemy says that we're not, the Bible says we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. He does plan, he does use a strategy against your life. But you know what? You have a Lord and a God who is fighting for you and who is able to twist and, and, and destroy the very plans that the enemy has against you, even the plans he has against you at this particular time in your life. That Jesus can intervene and that he will fight for you and that he wants to fight for you. But you know what you need? You just need faith. You just need to believe. You just need to look up and say, God, I can't do this, but you can and begin to realise that it's God who fights for you. It's God who will take you through. And when we get a hold of that, then we begin to move through. And it says, by, fa by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry ground, wherein the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. Do you get the picture? All night long it says that the Lord blew back the wind. The bed of the Red Sea was dried up and they began to walk across. Can you imagine the wall of water on either side as they put their, stick, their foot into that and walked across and dried 2.5 to 3.5 million people. They crossed all night and as the last one, as the last one stepped up out of that water, the Egyptians were coming heavy in behind. The Egyptians thought they could do the same thing. 
And at the point where all of Israel was safe, the waters fell. Do you know that God can destroy your enemies? That God, God is, knows more than you do? That God is way ahead of you? That he is ready to fight for you in your situation? I can only tell you what I've experienced in my life. And I know the times that I thought I was going to go under, the times that I thought that I couldn't make it, were the very times that God did something more than I'd ever imagined or thought. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What do you need this morning? What's your need? Do you believe, have you faith that God can meet your need? Are you in a scary situation? Are you willing to set that thing down or that problem down? Are you willing to hand it over to God and say, Lord, I'm going to take my hands off this? That's what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to try and sort it out. He wants you to give it to him and he wants you to trust him. What about choices in your life? Are there some choices you need to make to make the choice for what you know God's saying is the right way? Are you ready to do that even though it might look like a stupid thing to do? Are you ready to do it? Even in the small things, are you willing to glorify God by doing what you know is right rather than slipping along and thinking, well, nobody will know? We need to, be, need to be faithful. We need to do what's right. We have the faith to make those right choices. What about faith to... to um, what about faith to hold your nerve? What about faith to walk in your true identity? What about faith to just obey God no matter what? Just to say, this is what God's saying. I'm going to do it. What about faith to walk through those impossible situations in life? You know, we often talk here about how, about how um, God can use the things in our lives that were meant for evil. He can turn them around for good. And you know, Moses walked by faith. And that's a challenge for us today. And Moses saw what was invisible. He was looking ahead. He could see, he could see up ahead by faith that God had a purpose for his life. I wonder do you believe that today? I wonder do you really believe that God has a purpose for your life? I would just love you to catch it today. That God, Jesus, is with you. That he's leading you. But once the way is opened up, he can get right behind you and he can actually step between you and the enemy. Don't you worry about people or situations that are uh, dangerous in your life. Don't you worry about the plans that the enemy has to attack you. Don't you worry and get all into a panic and, and your blood pressure go up because you're so worried about that health issue or that financial situation or some other situation. You just give that over to God and trust him to stand between you and the enemy. Trust him to lead you across through the difficult things and bring you into the promised land. Moses was heading to the promised land. Moses was heading to, to a life of, of, of purpose. God was going to meet him on the mount. Moses' face was going to shine. He was a special. He was a special child. He was a special man. So were you. God loved you, and God has a plan for you, just as He had a plan for Moses. And I would love today to really capture. You know what? I want more of God's plan for my life. And you know the danger? The danger is that we can begin to kind of get into a wee bit of a drift 
but we don't expect anything. We think, well, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And we don't expect God to speak with us with a fresh word. God, I believe, wants to breathe on us this morning with a fresh word that he has specific plans for your life. And he, he wants to meet you. This could be your burning bush moment. This could be your turning point moment. Wouldn't that be amazing? If you just, if you just had one of those encounters with God, we had a fresh revelation that God has more for you than what you have right now. I, oh, I'd so love you to catch that because knowing that God is more for us, knowing that he can lead us and protect us and take care of us and make us more than conquerors, that's what it's all about. So, Father, I pray this morning that you will take these words, Lord, and that, Lord, that you would apply them because, Lord, we know that we can't really do anything. Only you can apply these words, Lord, right into hearts. And only you know the situations that are here today. And God, I'm just asking you to specifically, by your spirit, to speak directly into hearts this morning and to help women to, to realise that their part is just to have faith. Their part is to believe God. God, I just pray for a fresh revelation over every single woman in this place. That we might realise, Lord, that you see the bigger picture and that you're calling us to be free, that you want, you want your people to be free. And we stand against the enemy in the power and might of the Lord our God. And we declare that God says, let my people go. And I pray for freedom. And I pray that every woman in this place this morning might have that sense of being set free and let set loose because of the price that Jesus Christ has paid to set you free and to bring you into your destiny. Lord, thank you that you've saved us from an eternal judgment. But Lord, thank you that you've saved us for a powerful life on this earth. Thank you for your purposes that are so beautiful and so perfectly made, Lord, and, uh, and, and, and Lord, designed for everyone. Lord, whatever the situation is, that it's not too difficult. Thank you, God, that you can speak right into hearts right now by your Spirit, and we're trusting you to do that, Holy Spirit. I wonder, can you honestly say today that you know that you're a child of God? You know, whenever Moses said, who am I that I should go? Uh, some of the notes in the Amplified Bible suggest that that just wasn't humility. He wasn't speaking like in a humility, in a, in a humble way. It was a self-depreciation. It was inconsistent with true faith in who God selected and who God appointed. You need to know that God has chosen you to be his child. <coughs> And to start to say, who am I? I can't do this or I can't do that. That's not, that's not humility. That's, out of, that's not believing God. That's, that's, that's thinking that God has chosen wrong. He has chosen you for his great love. He has chosen you because he has chosen you. Because he loves you. And so today I just feel it's really important that we remind ourselves, I am a child of God. And if you have asked Jesus to be your saviour, you're a child of God and you are no longer a slave to sin. You have choice. And God this morning doesn't want you to go out of here feeling that, that, that who, who are you, you're nobody. You're God's daughter. You're his princess. You're the bride of Christ. You're in God's family. That's who you are. And you're not slaves. And God sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price with his own blood to be the Passover lamb for you, that God could set his people free. 
that you could go out into the world and be all that God's called you to do and to be. Places to go, things to do, things that you'd never imagined maybe before. You need to start lifting your eyes up. Stop looking down and believing the lies of the enemy. Stop having faith in fear. Start believing and having faith in what God says. And dear knows what will happen. I'll be looking to see with great excitement. In Jesus' name, go in peace. We're here, this, I know Joy is around and, and Susan and the others. Susan had a real sense this morning that there was healing in the room. And you know, God is the Lord our God who is our healer. And uh, we just, just want you to know that just before we leave, that God can heal you this morning. He could even heal you in the very seat that you're sitting. Susan had a sense even people with heart disease or whatever, that God wants to do a healing. So let's just remember that. And if you want to come up for a particular prayer over that, we're here and we'd love to pray with you.